everyone and welcome to this fourth episode in our Education 4.0 series with our friends at JISC, looking at the changing world of education in the fourth industrial era. Wherever and whenever you are listening in, I hope you are very well and thanks for joining us. If you listened in to episode 146, you'll recall our guests talking about hybrid campus ideas, mixing up coffee shops, co-working spaces and gap year hangouts. Well, this week's episode is all about how university and colleges are thinking big with technology to improve their student and staff experiences. Much of this week's episode got me thinking back to the early days of my fledgling career as a TV runner in Soho, London. Our boss was obsessed with deflecting requests for new hole punches or ring binder folders. When I saw the stationery cupboard, I soon found out why. It was a towering mecca to Lyrico stationery reordering, a health and safety risk, and a reminder that we often don't need more, we just need to know where things are when we need them. So what's all this got to do with the evolution of the campus? In this week's episode, we hear from a variety of university and college specialists on their projects for a better real-time campus experience using the Internet of Things. Sue Atwell at JISC joined me to explain the competition which kicked off this thinking, helping us to ask what is the right temperature for learning? Can kinetic sculptures help us to collectively understand what learning spaces are available on campus? And where the hell is that lab equipment I want on Tuesday next week? So I guess my first question was, what are the main conundrums that you're hearing about on campuses up and down the country? One of the main reasons for us looking into this is that there's an awful lot of data collected in institutions, but what currently happens is that data is collected quite vertically. So, for instance, there's data around using energy smartly in classrooms where, you know, if you don't move enough, the lights will switch off and then you have to move to switch them back on again. But that data isn't collected more broadly and used to assess the impact of you know, switching lights on and off and whether they're used and having the temperature at the right level for the purpose that's going on in the room. So, you know, if you were having quite an active, say, drama class, you'd probably want the temperature quite low. And there are various theories about the correct temperature for learning. You know, I remember doing a lot of my studying absolutely freezing because the tutor was a firm believer that a cold room stimulated the brain. See, I, I heard that when you get out of the bath, and you suddenly feel cold, that's the bit that makes you feel sleepy. So, Yeah, I was never a fan of the, the cold room stimulates the brain, I have to say. No, no. It made me want to leave the room as quickly as possible. <laughs> well, it's a big one, isn't it? Even for um, students sitting exams and that kind of thing, it's massive implications of, yeah, the room setup. But, I mean, is it fair to say that probably lots of the campuses that we're thinking about, they are sometimes sort of underutilised in certain areas, aren't they? Is that one of the problems, is sort of the space utilisation part of it? Very much so. A lot of campus, rooms on campus are very um, underutilised and some of the percentages can be quite extreme. And I think particularly there's a big case of the wrong room being used for the wrong purpose, where people are allocated a room for the whole semester or term and they might start off talking at a large group of people but as things progress they want to change what's happening within those sessions mm-hmm. 
and do more face-to-face and more interactive work as they move through and the, the knowledge increases. So it's both underutilization and I suppose wrong utilization. And, and are there many sort of are there main differences between some of the challenges and opportunities on a university campus versus say a further education college campus? Do you see that there are any sort of main differences or are the kind of issues fairly similar, do you think? I think there's there's probably a few differences, particularly where you've got FE colleges doing apprenticeships in quite vocational areas. So you might have a, a college campus where things are set up around construction skills and they might have, you know, a huge area that, that's, that's split up into the various parts of construction skills where that's being delivered. And I think that would send out a whole different set of data and require a different set of monitoring because the requirements are quite different. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, when you're talking about classroom-based study and and that kind of thing, you know, lecture theatre, classroom, people basically not needing specialist equipment, it's very, very similar. And I think the underlying, the the real student support is very similar. So, Mm -hmm. you know, students at both colleges and universities would like to know that their library books come in on a speedy basis and actually preferably when they're in the vicinity of the library. So that they can easily divert and pick it up or that vegetarian meals are running out in the in the canteen. So if they, you know, if they're a vegetarian, they need to get there pretty quickly in order to have something hot to eat that day. So I, I think, you know, particularly around those student support things, it's very, very similar. And is that the main kind of JISC vision of the campus is more sort of having that information to hand in real time so that you can kind of navigate the campus in a way that uses your time better? Yes, it's very much about improving the student journey so that students can, you know, have a look at something first thing in the morning. They can understand that the room's been moved. So they're originally planning on going to room 1.3. Now they know that the class has been moved to room 3.5. They know that there's an issue with transport in the afternoon because there's a a big march going on in the local vicinity that's disrupting things so they can arrange their day in a way that suits and it just improves their learning journey. Sue Atwell from GIST talks about their IoT campus competition. Could you tell me a little bit about the competition that you've also launched and some of the entries there that we'll hear about in this episode? Just having a quick peek, I thought it was really interesting. So you've got some that are using sensors to identify when uh, bins are full or help to sort of support a reusable coffee cup scheme. So it's like really wide interpretation of, you know, how we can kind of make the campus more smart, I suppose. Indeed. So we launched our Internet of Things competition, which were around loaning out LoRaWAN gateways to institutions and also potentially offering some funding. And we had a whole raft of interesting submissions, but we chose nine submissions to go forwards. And we've had things around monitoring space utilisation, but showing that in a kinetic sculpture way so that people using the campus can see how rooms are being used and which rooms aren't used, which rooms are in huge demand and, and understand better how that might be done but make it incredibly visual in a very artistic way we've got a project to look at use of pianos in an arts and creative media college 
And pianos are obviously the most expensive musical instrument. And if the college can monitor usage, they can see if they have the appropriate number of pianos and they're all being used or whether there's, there's, there's some kind of bias and some are used more than others. But you can immediately see how that kind of thing can be applied to things like expensive lab equipment mm-hmm. or robotics equipment in different universities and things like that. And how, you know, people can ensure that where they're investing a large amount of money in various types of equipment and um, resources, they can see if they're actually being used or maybe, you know, it might be more appropriate to to share that investment with another college or university. Super interesting. It's got me thinking about, I don't know when we started this conversation, you're talking about data vertically, but I'm already thinking about the director of estates for, say, an NHS hospital, and they must have similar conundrums in terms of space and you know some of their more expensive investment and equipment utilization and just the learnings that could be had between both as well and I'm sure they're doing similar exercises in terms of how can they better monitor that as well. Yeah we do see a huge alignment with things like the smart cities program and things like that because this is very much about using that data horizontally and combining data sources to get better intelligence and enable those decisions to be made and investments to be made more appropriately. And also, you know, to look at that whole campus as impact on the community and how that that, that whole edge can be blurred. Yeah, we're going to hear about that later on in the series. So we're having an episode on town and gown and delving into a all of the influences of having a campus, you know, whether that's physical, virtual, or however it might manifest itself in the local community. So, well, thank you very much, Sue. And yeah, we look forward to chatting again. Thank you. One useful point, Sophie, you know, you mentioned students on in exams. Mm-hmm. I think one of the useful things, because we've been doing the sensor project in our own offices. So we've oh, been testing ourselves over the last uh-huh. few months. And one of the things we've particularly noticed is that as levels of humidity go up, concentration levels go down. You know, that's a really easy thing to monitor, but it really makes a difference. Now, you know, if you're doing a key exam, that's something you're, you really would want to feel that somebody was on top of. For many colleges and universities, humidity and atmosphere not only affects student and staff concentration, but the longevity of specialist equipment. I spoke to John Cole, Head of Management Information Services, to find out how this was playing out, pun intended, at Morley College. Thank you very much, John, for joining us. I guess to start off, could you describe a little bit about who you are and what you do and where you work as well? My name is John Cole. I'm head of MIS, which is Management Information Services at Morley College London. So we are an adult education college based in South London, just near Waterloo. And the college has been going for 130 years and we are primarily funded via the ESFA, so adult FE type work, but we do a little bit of HE provision as well. And my role is primarily relating to to data really um it's about how we collect data from students and the data that we need to manage our courses and how that presents on the website etc but because of the size of the college we're not that big i do get involved in in a few other projects as well and so sort of wider systems issues really and that's really how i've come to be interested in this sort of new initiative that's coming through just about intelligent campus 
and really how we can make use of new technology to improve the student experience and tie that in with the data that we already hold within the college. Uh, could you explain, you know, your entry to the competition and what that concept was all about? Yeah, sure. So uh, the college has a substantial amount of provision in music. Uh, Gustav Holst was um, was our director of music um, in years gone by. So it does mean that we're, we're very much set up for that sort of provision. And to that end, we have a lot of pianos. We have a lot of pianos in our classrooms and also harpsichords. So I was trying to think when when this competition came out, I was obviously trying to think there's something that would be innovative, but useful for the college, but also maybe slightly different than some of the other entrants. So I, I was trying to think about what made us special, and that was that was one area, which is all of these musical instruments, and particularly the the pianos and, and the harpsichords. And, and it's, it was really trying to think what could we use um, the IoT technology, the, the sensors in relation to that equipment. And what I thought we could do is if we could find a way of fitting the sensors to the the pianos, we could start to assess how well they're being maintained, if there are issues to do with humidity, temperature, hmm. how how hard the um, instruments are played, because there, there's this uh, theory from our, our head of music that actually the, the more proficient players hit the pianos harder and actually mean that we actually have to maintain them more regularly. <laughs> I think I need the same assessment. I tend to hit my MacBook keys really hard. Yes. <laughs> like tapping out emails. So, yeah, maybe we could do uh... that. Yes, yeah, you're probably similar to me. Start start wearing away particular keys. I oh, have yeah. To, I have no idea I look what down, they have to say um, anymore. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So this is the sort of thing. I mean, it's more of an exploratory approach at the moment just to see what sort of useful information we can get. But in the long run, we're, we're hoping that would mean that we can start to think about how we maintain our pianos. At the moment, it's very much a sort of a blanket approach where where all of the pianos are tuned every half term. Mm. Maybe maybe we could see that some are used less than others or some are used in different ways. That would mean that we would some we may may want to maintain more often, some less often. So it could be a could be a cost benefit there. But I think primarily we're we're thinking about really the quality of the experience both for the students and the tutors. Is there a way that we can use that information to think about the positioning of the instrument, perhaps, you know, making sure that it's, uh, it's away from heat sources, sources of vibration, those sort of things. And compared to sort of, I suppose, one of the more average experiences on a university or a further education college campus at the moment, like what would be your hopes for campuses as they evolve and perhaps use more of this technology to become a bit more smart in that way? Well, I think everything for us focuses around the student experience. So I think what we'd be looking to do is what what can we do? We have a large number of students for, for a relatively small college. So we have 13,000 students, but a lot of those students are coming in and doing very small courses, very bite-sized courses. So they don't necessarily get that full experience of the campus or the familiarity that perhaps a student who was on a year, two, three-year course would do that you may be more in sort of an HE environment. So what can we do to make them feel as comfortable and as part of the college as quickly as possible? So there may be something that we can do there with that technology in terms of sort of wayfinding and understanding what their place is within the college. So that, that, this is on the, from the student experience. And then, you know, as, as with, with all publicly funded organisations, there's an issue for us in terms of costs. You know, what can we do to see if this technology could, could improve our cost base within the college so we can actually do more for our students? 
So they're quite general areas. I think we've got much more to explore. As I was saying earlier, it's you know, very early stages of us being involved in this, but uh, we, we can see there's a lot of potential. Welcome, Marius. Hi, Sophie. Nice to meet you. To e-meet you. <laughs> <laughs> nice to e-meet you too. I guess to kick off, could you describe a little bit about who you are, what you do, and yeah, where you work? So I am a principal academic in Bournemouth University. I joined the university back in 2016. Prior to that, I was a postdoctoral scholar at the University of Geneva. And my area, my broad area of expertise has to do with with uh, future and emerging networking paradigms. Application areas span, cover Internet of Things, edge computing, and the broader paradigm of 5G. And one particular aspect of my research has to do with how these technologies can underpin broader paradigm shifts. For instance, in terms of economy, how these can underpin the circular economy, the concept of circular economy, in terms of education, how these technologies can facilitate the transition to the next wave of education practices that your podcast has very accurately captured with the title EdTech, the Educational <laughs> Technologies. So on my arrival in Bond University, I established the Open Innovation Lab, which is a research lab carrying out research exactly on these topics, how future and emerging communication technologies can spare innovation in broader context. The, the scope is much broader than the strictly technological one. And the activities of the research group are nicely complemented by three master programs on Internet of Things that I have also established and I'm currently leading. And essentially, these two entities, the research lab, the master programs, they nicely complement each other. So it is my approach that research feeds forward to teaching and teaching back to research. If you're a keen listener, you'll remember our chat with Ali Armelini and Jane Bunce from the University of Northampton talking about active blended learning and how that is affecting the development of the campus with more spaces for group work. I spoke to Marius Angelopoulos, Principal Academic and Computing at Bournemouth College, about how we might aid this type of group work by better understanding where our informal learning spaces are and when they are free. So you were telling me about your setting up at, at Bournemouth. And then obviously there was this competition with JISC around innovating the campus. I wondered if you could describe a little bit your concept entry to that competition and how it relates to both your work and improving the university or further ed campuses as well? Yeah, so JISC has issued a tender to receive use cases, indicative use cases that would act as a pilot to showcase how Internet of Things technologies would help further improve and ameliorate both the operational aspects of running a university as well as improving the learning experience for the students. And the idea I put forward was to use Internet of Things technologies in order to monitor and more efficiently manage open uh, workspaces. So the idea is the following, that in our campus, apart from the structured environment of a seminar room or a lecture theater, there are also plenty of open workspaces that are being used by both staff members and students as semi-formal 
quasi-structured areas where interactions can actually take place. Now, the, the problem we've been facing is that these spaces, you cannot book them a priori. So, for instance, if I want to have a chat with my students in a not formal setting, then I have to go to one of these spaces, look around if there is any available corner, you know, to sit, a sofa or a high table or something. And in peak times, it is quite a hard one because we need to move around the campus across different buildings and try to find a spot. The idea is to actually turn the conventional sofas and chairs and armchairs and so on to smart by fitting tiny sensors that would be able to report on whether this piece of furniture is being currently used or not. This type of information could be consolidated and presented over a web interface that the community of the university could use in order to quickly identify available spots. Now, this use case has some qualitative advantages to commonly used use cases when it comes to smart environments, that is a smart bins or monitoring parking lots. This use case actually allows, on one hand, the internal stakeholders of the university, such as the estate services, to get a better insight on how the various spaces of the university are being utilized, whether they are underutilized or overutilized. And this will inform their decisions on uh, actually better shaping the learning spaces across the university. On the other hand, if this pilot was to be extended to seminar rooms or lecture theaters, it would also provide insight to our teaching community on how the attendance or the, the, the various activities across the campus are resonating with the students. And this would help us take informed decisions on actually improving further the learning experience of the students. And, and this is in line with the ongoing trend to transitioning to the next wave of educational practices, where the learning process will no more be confined within the the four walls of a seminar room of, mm-hmm. or of a lecture theater, but it will move towards a more immersive and interactive learning that is going to be continuous across activities taking place all over the campus rather than being very confined in both space and time. Other advantages of this use case that we put forward is that it will allow our IT services to get familiar with the technologies, to understand what the potential added value they bring is. And hopefully this will help this introduction of these technologies to the operational services of our university will help them better understand the technology and therefore increase further the, the use of this type of technologies. It will demystify, you know, buzzwords like uh, Internet of Things and big data and what can we do with those technologies. Okay, so part of it is bringing it down to a sort of practical level and what's actually useful, how can we apply this? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it will help popularize this type of buzzwords to the entire university community whether it is people working in internal services, operational services, or whether it is the actual student community or even the teaching community of the university. So the the, the practical aspects are just the, the first facet, but there are deeper levels that will affect the actual learning process in that. So it is not about 
for instance, monitoring attendance, but it is about informing us to see what type of content delivery methods are resonating better with the students. So this will provide us detailed information that currently are uh, only available by uh, anecdotal evidences, evidence provided by lecturers. For Duncan Pebbody, lead for digital learning spaces at JISC, this social work is what underpins his work with the sticky campus. And no, that doesn't mean the union bar at the end of Freshers' Week. Here's Duncan to explain more. The Sticky Campus is a project within JISC where we take an exemplar pop-up classroom round to university campuses. They give us an empty room, we create this pop-up active learning classroom with the collaborative tables, front of class screen, etc. And they have it at their disposal for four weeks. Okay, and then so can they sort of tinker around with that and play with it as they uh, see fit? Oh, not at all. No, no, of course they can. We try to make it work for each individual host, for what fits their culture, where they are in their journey along uh, learning space development. We would usually help them with a number of workshops. They could do some 30-minute drop-in sessions, some half-day workshops, just to let people understand the technology. But more importantly, the culture around designing curriculums for new ways of learning and teaching that are very student-centric. And we're sat at a table here. Is this an example, or would it be more the... The things over here? We take the whole lot. The whole we lot, take okay. take everything that you see here, all four But this tables. is all part of this the... This is all part yeah. of it, yeah. So we're sat at this collaborative table. It has the screen attached, which is, you know, important. Mm-hmm. It puts it at the right angle, especially if you've got, like we have here today, a camera and soundbar. We want the, the camera to be at the right angle to pick people up because as much as we can do collaboration around this table, in terms of connected campus, we can also bring people in from outside mm-hmm. who can join us on screen and we can see them, they can see us. Okay, and is there anything else? So obviously this is your kind of project at the moment, but I would imagine that you're working on a multitude of different things. So is there anything else that people should be considering when they're thinking of a campus and how that's going to develop in the future? There's lots of things they should be thinking of. We're using some technology here by a company called Barco, and they have also developed this so it works as a virtual classroom. So not quite the same setup you see here, but you can have a... For anybody who's seen the the Harvard Business Experience Room, it's, it's a very similar look and feel to that where you will have academics present on campus but they're engaging with students who are remotely based Mm -hmm. and unlike just dialing in for a video session or or just to to passively hear things all the people who dial in are active participants so there's lots of tools there to engage them polls and quizzes and and interactive tools so they're all active at the same time which is which is a the main thrust behind it. So when we're thinking about something like synchronous online exercise classes that are gaining popularity at the moment, it's similar to that. So you're all in the same class, you're all motivated at the same time, but... Correct, absolutely. Because if you're coming to the class at the same time, you're more likely to attend. If you can just log on any time and you can see it, there's a chance that other things might get in the way. So it is really trying to bring that Mm -hmm. campus feel out to wherever you are remotely based. Okay. And you can do breakout groups within that session as well. So you might just you know, talk to all the students to start with and then they can go into breakout sessions where they can only see the three or four other people in their team and then come back again. So you really can do the similar things that you can do on campus. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Duncan. And safe travels back. You've only got a half an hour journey. <laughs> thank you. It's brilliant. With Ord, the Association of University Directors of Estates, Recognising that capital expenditure in the UK's universities has exceeded £3 billion for the three consecutive years since 2015-16, 
cost is certainly a factor for universities and colleges, whether expanding or merging. On average, cleaning costs account for 13% of a campus outlay. I spoke to one man using his expertise in systems power and energy to think about how we might clean up the campus and even the city. Have you affected a Glaswegian accent yet? No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Dr. Sajad Hussein is the lecturer in Glasgow College, UESTC, for systems power and energy. We spoke about sensors, bins and giant seagulls. Just to kick off, do you think for our listeners you could describe who you are, what you do and a bit of context around the campus that you work in? My name is Sajad Hussain and I'm a lecturer at University of Glasgow in the School of Engineering. And my background is basically in electronic engineering. And my research area is focused on wireless communications. So basically I work in the domain of 5G uh, cellular networks and the, specifically the self-organization component of 5G cellular networks, how the cellular networks can self-organize themselves by learning from the behavior of the users. Wow, it's absolutely fascinating and very topical in the news at the moment. <laughs> yes. In fact, there is a lot of going on related to the machine learning and artificial intelligence. So we are applying these concepts in this area of cellular networks. So for example, when we see the mobility patterns of the users or the data traffic usage uh, during the different times of the day, how people are using the data. So we can optimize our resources at the cellular network level and we can make them energy efficient, optimize their resources and so on and so forth. So uh, this is a nice booming a research site with, with respect to the cellular communication. And could I dig into a little bit the, the campus there, so what the, the actual campus experience is like? Yes, yeah, so as you might know that University of Glasgow is one of the oldest universities uh, in the whole world. I think it's the fourth oldest university. It's, it's there since 1451. Wow. Yeah, so the building I'm in is quite old too. So the, uh, the the campus environment is there are some of the modern components, but still most of the most of the university campus has an old uh, and great look, I would say. Mm-hmm. So the the idea that we we are going to work on is uh, related to that environment as well. So in the University of Glasgow itself, or in the Glasgow city on the whole, the weather is normally quite windy, and I have observed that. The garbage bins that are located on the streets or on the campus, they normally get overfilled due to the, uh, there are a lot of visitors, especially at the campus too. It's, It's a great visitor attraction. So when the visitors come and if there are conferences, research events like this, so the garbage collection points, they get filled quite quickly than anticipated and then they overfill. And Due to the winding conditions, this, this problem becomes more severe that we see flying papers or garbage all around. So the idea is that how we can automate all this garbage collection system by using a set of sensors. So, so we are going to deploy sensors in, in those garbage collection bins, which will be remotely connected. So wirelessly, they will be connected to our control unit and giving the live status of the bin filling levels. 
so we will set a threshold that if garbage bin is filled beyond a certain level an alarm signal will be generated and the relevant services will be notified about that so by this we plan to uh, implement uh, around 50 sensors all around the campus mm-hmm. and it will try to make the campus more clean so so the idea is a cleaner campus through the use of iots so we will be using these sensors making them in the form of a network and they these will be connected to this new technology called loravan outside of the gist competition one of our listeners from the us even got in touch to talk about how they were using AI to help universities better log the crimes taking place on their campus, to understand what was happening, the level of risk involved, and to create standard follow-up procedures. Here's Hayley E. Hansen from law firm Hush Blackwell to tell us more. We have created the Cleary Compliance Toolset, which essentially uses AI to help uh, institutions Uh, classify their crimes as they're putting in their reported crimes uh, that are coming into their campus security. It was set up in compliance with the U.S. law, the the Janine Cleary Act, uh, which requires institutions to publish annually their crime statistics. And what we were finding was that institutions were doing this by hand and that individuals were doing this and mistakes were being made. And so we wanted to use AI to help them make sure that they were appropriately classifying those crimes and then to put together the year-end report. It is all different types of crimes. And some of them that are required are murder, sexual assault, robbery, burglary, motor vehicle theft. Those are just a few of the, the crimes that it would help you then classify and determine how they need to be reported. It also allows you a tool if you have a lesser offense, but it's based on discrimination or or what we call a hate crime, it would allow you to then have that reflected on the annual security report as well that the institution puts out. And so essentially what's happening is the administrator still needs to type in a description of some kind and the AI uses that information to build up a picture of the most relevant categorization of whatever crime is being committed. Correct. And then it would also give you a tool as to whether or not there's an ongoing threat of whether you would need to alert your campus community to that threat. Those are broken down into emergency notifications. If it's an ongoing threat that's happening right now, how you would notify your campus. And then there would be a timely warning if it's something that is, again, going to threaten the campus security. Intriguing. How would you feel about an AI determining a crime dependent on description? Or, to put it another way, would you rather have a Senate Judiciary Committee or an artificially intelligent technology make that call? Which one might be more biased, I wonder? Campus innovation is one thing, but what about how this innovation might spread to wider society? For all of my guests, this vision to inspire beyond the campus walls into the local context was part and parcel of their work. Whether monitoring landslide and access issues along the coastline in Bournemouth. When we spoke before, you were telling me about a kind of more broad use of this with regards to where the university is set and talking about actually monitoring landslides and actually thinking about 
you know, how this might be applied on an even broader scale? Yes, indeed. So the university, one of the the key elements of, the, of how the university is positioned in the broader context within society is not only to help students develop themselves and acquire new skills and knowledge, but also to act uh, as an enabler for spillover effects to the broader uh, society in terms of knowledge and new research. So within this context, also collaborating with local authorities and local companies in the area of Bournemouth in order to apply things to solve actual problems that the local society is facing. So one time example of that is a landslide that took place back in 2016 in a cliff overlooking the Bournemouth Beach. A zigzag pathway was is now inaccessible from the top of the cliff to the beach. And this is a particular characteristic of the local Bournemouth area, that the long beach that we have, we look by cliffs. Sensory data are collected automatically and continuously would help monitor in, in very high detail how the cliff behaves. And the first phase of the pilot has been concluded last February. And now we're working together towards uh, the second phase of the pilot that consists in essentially scaling up the system to cover a broader area. Now, this is a, a, a nice example of future and emerging technologies such as IoT and edge computing helping solve problems that are of critical communities. Or bringing the benefits of bin monitoring to Glasgow's historical tourist district. In fact, Glasgow University is investing heavily in, uh, it will be a new part of the building. It's called smart campus and we'll have new research hub new teaching hub and the idea is to make all the new building of the campus energy efficient based on renewable energies smart in a way that we have a lot of sensors deployed all around and using the information from those sensors to optimize the energy utilization Hmm. or water utilization and so on and so forth so i think this project will sit very well with that smart campus well, so this is a really important point, isn't it? Because, you know, lots of universities are looking to become zero carbon estates. And I know, I think the University of London have just like taken on their kind of strategy for doing that. Exactly. So this is a multi-billion uh, project. That, in fact, it, it has already started for a couple of years and it will have different phases of this project when uh, this project will be launched over a period of, I think, five to seven years. I would like to mention that this bin collection through the use of uh, IoT network is uh, will will be integral component of this uh, such sort of uh, smart campuses in the future. And it's all about trialing these pilots, trialing, exactly. tweaking. Exactly. So we hope to learn a lot from this pilot project and hopefully we can extend this project beyond the campus because there are a lot of visitor attraction points in Glasgow and uh, same concept can be deployed at uh, those places as well. And hopefully this will not only make the campus clean, but uh, on a larger scale, it will make the city cleaner as well. The final piece will just be tackling the United Kingdom's ginormous seagull population. (laughs) Terrible with (laughs) us. Well, thank you so much. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you. Or assisting blind citizens to navigate real-time information about their city. A use case our team is currently working has to do with 
providing contextual information to visual citizens, not simply in order to navigate within the urban environment, which is a task in which these people are really good at. They have the skills to do that. However, what uh, we could help them with is to provide them a context about the urban life or uh, things that are taking place uh, within the urban environment. And in order to do so, we leverage upon data and information that is already there, collected in the context of other applications. And this has to do with the concept of circularity. So achieving such high efficiency in the economic cycle but no, essentially no waste is produced. And so thus far, this concept has been around for several years, but thus far it has been strongly been focused on the material side, uh, how we can further uh, ameliorate recycling and so on and so forth. However, we try to apply this concept when it comes to data, because it turns out that the grand majority of the data that is collected in the context of smart environments, smart cities, and so on, remains stagnant. They're never utilized. And any time a new use case comes up, again, we start from scratch. We start from, from how we, what data we collect, how we collect those data, how we curate those data to the specific needs of, of our use case. However, this is a treasure. This is actually a gold mine that if we develop the processes and the methods to properly, to accordingly leverage upon this data, we can come up with services that greatly facilitate the use of uh, the everyday lives of citizens, such as the case I mentioned before. So there we have it. Just a few of the campus innovation ideas currently among our universities and colleges. That's all for this week. If you're working on a campus innovation of any sort, why not message us for inclusion in the next episode by going to www.speakpipe.com forward slash the EdTech podcast and leaving a 90 second voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. You can also continue the conversation online at hashtag edu4 underscore zero at JISC and at podcast EdTech on all the social medias. And thanks also to my guests and you for listening. For all the show notes, it's theedtechpodcast.com. So that's it. Have a great week. Bye-bye.